Hi, I'm Spencer Dinwiddie, guard from the Brooklyn Nets, and you're watching Ain't Hard to Tell. All right, welcome to Ain't Hard to Tell podcast, episode 34. I'm going to call this the uh, Charles Oakley episode, Shaq episode. I don't know what you want to call it. Why not Noah Syndergaard? Is there a famous net that wore 34 back in the day? Devin Harris. Devin Harris. There you go. That's good. There you go. And the person who gave you that information (laughs) is our guest, uh, Robert Windrum. I call him Bob, so you know I like to shorten it up and call him Bob. He (laughs) is the editor of NetsDaily.com, which Brian and I have done tons of work for. Um, and he's also an investigative reporter for NBC News for their investigative bureau. Bob, welcome to the podcast, man. Good to be here. We are glad to finally have you here. We've been wanting to have you for quite some time. Yes. We got we you here. It. We saved it for we the saved draft you. And free agency. Draft free agency. <laughs> Nets. A lot of Nets fans have been asking for this. You oh. are, yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know how, that, how good that is all the time. <laughs> you are a popular man among the Nets community. Although what I realized when I started working for Nets Daily was a lot of people had no idea what you look like. No, no, no. And I like to keep it that way. I was thinking of coming here with a mask and a cape, but, you know, Brian <laughs> said no. But he's actually know, serious. He's actually serious. <laughs> Although he's been in a couple of videos with me and then it, the whole, you know, you look like Wolf Blitzer. I look that. like Dwight I Howard. <laughs> right. I used to know Wolf. Yes. yes. So I, I, the best I got was um, I forgot the dude from Backstreet Boys or NSYNC. I don't remember his name. And then there's a cruise from Coach Carter when I had an afro. I could see that. <laughs> we all we all have our, we all have our lookalikes. That was back in the day. <laughs> Bob, before we get we get into uh, stuff with you, obviously doing a lot of coverage on the Nets. You oversee everything with uh, NetsDaily.com. Uh, NBA draft just finished. We were just a mm-hmm. couple days away from NBA draft when we're recording this. Uh, what did you like about what the Nets did on the NBA draft, and how do you think that impacts them in free agency? Yeah, first of all, I don't think it impacts the free agency that much. I mean, these two guys are development guys. One just turned 19, will be this, when he takes the court, he will be the second youngest net in the team's history. That's Janin Musa. And the other guy is only about a year older. <clears throat> These are long-term development guys. This is not about, it's not about what they're gonna do in free agency. These are guys <clears throat> who you'll have for four years to develop. You can be very patient with. You can send them to the G League and bring them back and they're you know they're good picks considering they're at 29 and 40 in a draft that was pretty good um, right you know so i mean i and they're both the other thing about them is musa in particular it has a real personality yeah. i don't know how good he's going to be on on the court but brian and i were at the press conference the other day and he's just extremely impressive I mean, as a as a personality, he interrupted he interrupted Sean Marks at one point. <laughs> Marks oh, was like, you know, um, they asked him about what kind of uh, something along the lines of what position could what he play? What kind of player is he? Yeah, yeah, and then Musa was like, "Oh, I could play point guard or whatever." And then Marks just kind of was like, <laughs> he stuck his hand out and deferred to him, made a face. It was actually really funny. Yeah, and he is very and he's very funny. He's he's and he he has a history that no other net has. He was a national hero in Bosnia when he was the MVP for the FIBA Europe Under-16 tournament. And he just dominated it. And Bosnia was still in the throes of, of coming out of a war. Yeah. And he was a unifying force. And they had 50,000 people in the streets of Sarajevo. He's up on the podium. He's got the, he's got the award. He's, I mean, he was literally a national hero and a unifying force in uh, 
at age 16 in Bosnia. I mean, he's, he's, he's literally a fascinating guy. Do I know how he's going to be? I don't know. What what do you, I I've looked at I've looked at uh, stuff on him game footage stuff yeah, like that. Um, what do you like about his game? He can, he looks like he can shoot the ball pretty well. Can help him stretch the floor at his size. Mm -hmm. What do you like to, about he's his game? He's very aggressive. He has a scorer's mm -hmm. mentality. I mean, he's somebody who and he also can pass and he's good ball handler and he's six nine and may still be growing. Um, you know, he says he can play the one, the two, or the three, and he's probably right. At what level we don't know. Right. But, you know, he can handle the ball, he can shoot, he's been doing it, you know. He was one of the youngest players ever in the, in the EuroLeague, 16 years yep. old. And he has, as a result, a great deal of confidence. He is very cocky. Um, and that is not something you see on the Brooklyn Nets. No, that, that is not. Yeah, his favorite player is Kobe? He's a killer. Like yes. He's a killer. He kills everyone. That yes, was the that's quote. That's what he said. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah. See, that's, that's, that's that excited me. Yeah. That's all right, now, all right. So that's I mean, what he's excited Corix about. Is, is, is more of an old soul, as somebody said. He's, you know, he's, his English is not as, as good. It's fine, but his English is not as good as Moose's. And this is a guy who had a lot of potential. I mean, a year ago, he, Draft Express, had him as a potential lottery pick. Yes, they did. So, yes, they did. I mean, but he had a big buyout, but that's been, that's been settled. And the Nets are going to, uh, apparently on July 6th, are going to give him a four-year deal with essentially end-of-first-round money, which uh, they didn't have to do. They didn't. I like his upside a lot. I do. I like, I like that pick for the Nets a lot. I even see mocks where he's supposed to go higher than 29, so... Yeah, I really yeah. like that. I like that. He pick was as high him. as you know, sixteen. 20. I saw that sixteen, yeah. ten to sixteen to twenty range is where I saw him a lot. Right. So I th I thought Are we good. surprised that they stayed there though? Like staying because you know there was all the talk. Obviously, well, we put Mark, some of that out there yeah. as well. Marks, <laughs> yeah. Marks hinted about that in his discussion with uh, Evan Robertson and Joe Benigno. He said that they were close. That they had offers. Now, he did not detail what those offers were, mm -hmm. but what he did say was, I like my veteran players a lot. So that would suggest that mm. there were offers to move up and that the other side of the deal would have been one of the Nets' veteran players, whether that would have been Damari Carroll, Spencer mm -hmm. Dinwiddie, right. Jeremy Lin, I doubt. But he had off. He had at least an offer. And I think the other thing that uh, Evan asked him uh, was might you be saving some of these pieces for something for something that comes down the line as a trade? He didn't go there, which suggested yeah. he might go there. Uh. But it makes more sense. It makes more sense for mm -hmm. like, especially for Damari Carroll, for example, who's an expiring contract. Who, I mean, really, you should trade him in February, especially if by then you're out of the playoff race. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Like, and, and and with. With Spencer Dinwiddie's contract about to come up, and Rodney Hollis Jefferson's contract about to come up, and D'Angelo Russell's, you're going to have to do something there that kind of creates opportunity moving forward. Yeah. So with Spencer yeah. Dinwiddie yeah. or I mean, Rodney Hollis Jefferson, Spencer's still only 25. D'Lo is 22. Yeah. Um, Point is, there's time. There's, there's no need. There's, there's not really need to rush right yes. now. And we're not saying no. trade them. We're not saying that either. We're but, just saying there, a move will be made. I think we all can agree This is that. a business at the end of the day. Which Spencer did what he cryptically tweeted about the other day. Yeah, so there's yeah. that. that and he that may know some, but I mean, Jared Allen said, was in a tweet the other day, said the players don't know anything about what's mm. going on. And, you know, they usually don't. Um, they don't. Maybe they get, maybe they, yeah, they'll get a little more, a little more of a, uh, 
of a word before we do, before Woj does. Yes. But oftentimes it's not very much in advance. That that is the business. I mean, the great and the great when Darren Williams is traded, somebody asked him at the, the press great, conference. Did you say the great Darren Williams? Of course I did. Um, wow. I may have been sarcastic. <laughs> yeah. but I'll yeah. just let it go. That's um, the only way to be on that. But when when do Darren, Utah Jazz right, right here. When Darren Williams was traded, and he was asked at the Nets press conference. Who told you you've been traded? And he looked in his very Darren Williams mm -hmm. sarcastic way and said, Rick Buecher of ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> he, had, he was in the player's lounge, and he looked up, and there was the story. And that's how he found out. Damn. Um, so, I mean, in some cases, players will find out. In other cases, they won't. Dwight Howard this week said that he had not talked to the Hornets. Two days after the deal, the Hornets still on that <laughs> Dexter call. doesn't believe that. <laughs> I don't believe that after the video he posted where he only had Nets highlights. I wasn't buying that. I thought that, that was on a that bizarre. Note, on that note, do you think that he knew he that they were going to negotiate a buyout right after? Um, probably not at the point he put that video out, but I think shortly later he probably found oh, it out. I look, he I think he knew he was coming to Nets, though. I he think claims, so. he yeah. claims that, you know, That's that, my that it, he, he makes the... He makes a veiled claim that it was his idea for the buyout. But there were little hints in that, <laughs> there were little <laughs> hints in that that would suggest not. Um, Agreed. Among them, among them was, the, uh, was the fact that he said, I don't need people talking to me about my past. Well, <laughs> who was talking to you about the past? Yeah, that's what I right. wanted. Nobody was, yeah. Yeah. Nobody. nobody was talking yeah. to you about that's the future. Bad. That's <laughs> the future. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to be said there. Uh, we talked a little bit of Nets, but let let's get into you. Um, we know that you obviously uh, run everything in Nets daily, but you're also an investigative reporter for NBC. It doesn't seem like sometimes those two worlds would match. Although I've worked in news and sports, so we know it can be done. Um, this team is owned by a Russian oligarch. Yeah. <laughs> Anything Need is possible. Need I say more? Yes. Right. Anything is possible. Right. Uh, t tell us a little about your story in, in journalism, how you got to you know, NBC and then doing stuff with the Nets Daily. Um, I graduated with a degree in communications from Seton Hall University. Um, I did a little graduate school in American studies. Um, I went into the Air Force for a little while. I worked at several New Jersey newspapers. Mm. I worked for Ralph Nader as a Nader's Raider oh. um, for a year and a half in Washington. And then ultimately I wound up at NBC starting in 1980. So I've been an wow. invest investigative reporter for NBC News producer since August of 1980. So you've seen, wow. you've seen the rise and fall of newspapers. And we got into this with yeah, yeah. Howard Beck a while yeah, ago. Yeah, we did. And I just kind of want your perspective on that because you've obviously seen, you know, sort of that happen and the newspaper industry cannibalize itself. And as somebody in their 20-somethings writing for a newspaper, I kind of want to know what I'm dealing with here. <laughs> they never, they didn't get the internet. And there'll be some people tell you they still don't get the internet. And that was one of the issues. They didn't get it as a alternative source of news. They didn't get it as a function of what they did. Mm -hmm. And they really didn't get it in terms of their advertising. Yes. That the advertising was, you know, was just not going there. Um, and that was, that's the big issue. I mean, you know, things like Craigslist took away the classified ads. And then, you know, a variety of display ads wound up in uh, online. 
But when I walked out of the last newspaper I worked for, which was the New Brunswick Home News, which really no longer exists anymore, um, in 1977, I thought for sure that I'd be the next job after I went down to work for Ralph Nader's group would be I would be coming back to a newspaper job. It never happened. And you um, haven't been back. You you haven't been in print ever. No, no, I haven't been in print since right. 19 for 40 years. Um, so I'm giving away roughly my age. But, <laughs> <laughs> With, with that with that being said, right, and then you uh, you started with Nets. What, what year did you start with Nets Daily? I started in Nets Daily in, 19, in 2005. 2005. Yes. 13, John yeah. Schumann, from now with NBA.com, uh, mm -hmm. um, had founded Nets Daily, and his and basically ran it himself. And um, he and his wife were expecting a child, and he asked me if I could fill in for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> his, his daughter is now a teenager, oh. um, and the two weeks is this will be this will be my fourteenth season coming up. It's it's the site's fifteenth. Uh, did crazy. did you ever, especially what Brian asked about print, mm -hmm. and you and you now you're you're working on a site in two thousand five. Did you ever see these fan sites like Nets Daily, like we see all across SB Nation, sort of becoming what they've become? Extremely popular, a lot of fan fan engagement. More popular with the in many ways than the newspapers. That yeah. Cover them. But the newspapers have an advantage, which is they travel. Right. They travel with the team. That's not something you know we can afford. But all that said, so you, what you want to do in the competitive nature is you want to be able to break stories on your own, and you also want to have a really steady stream of stuff, which is what we do. I mean, we have several stories a day. I mean, stories that newspapers and their associated website might put into a larger story. I mean, for example, I found out last night by, at 1 o'clock in the morning um, that uh, the Nets have signed, and I'm going to screw up this pronunciation, um, Ding, <laughs> here we go, Ding Yang Huang, the MVP of the Chinese Basketball CBA. Association. I think you nailed it. Right. Better than I would have done. Right. So. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I'll just call him Ding. So I see that. I mean, and we do a separate story on that. I mean, it's it's you know it's a fun piece, and we did a separate story on on the on uh, on Musa. We did a separate story on Curix. Yep. We did a story on the press conference. We did, broke down what what Marks and Atkinson said on WFAN in a separate story. We did a story based on uh, Greg Logan of Newsday's interview with Jeremy Lin. I mean, this is just in the last few days. And that's what differentiates us. But what I think that does is it keeps people coming back. And you combine that with social media, where we're very active, yes. particularly on Twitter. And you develop, I think, more of a loyalty we now have 22,000 Twitter followers as of last week. Um, if Lynn gets traded, we're done. Um, <laughs> there'll be a massive exodus, just well, as there was a great move when he came. But all the, kidding we'll still aside, that's right. Um, <laughs> almost as popular, by the way. Yeah. Um, is that you know people gravitate to us? And the other thing is that we have that the newspapers, for the most part, don't have, is we have the comments. Yes. That permit fans to, <clears throat> for better, better or worse, or worse. Yep. Um, <laughs> you know, comment on what the news is. Right. 
And I think that the reality is that's that's a big help. And by the way, what I have also found out is that within the within that, we have been able to find members of the Nets Daily community who have become like minor reporters or junior reporters or, or part-time reporters, whatever you want to call them. No, they and have. They, they, they're right, and they become part of the community. I mean, GNYR, Jose, I have yep. not met him. Yep, um, I have. <clears throat> right, well, I have not. Um, <laughs> and, I mean, he was tracking for us the workouts. I mean, Sean Marks and the Nets do not reveal who's working yeah. out for them. But he was able to identify like 64 college players and international players who had worked out in ways that, and I think I'm pretty good at you know, monitoring Twitter and, and, and Google, et cetera. Some people on another level. That's right. <laughs> level but also, but so, I found Ding. There's only so much you can do. You did. I found Ding, but that was at 1 o'clock in the morning. He was probably asleep. Um, <laughs> but I think that those are the things. I mean, and there have been, over the years, there have been a number of people like that. And you know, one of the other things that uh, that we have is you know the Brooklyn Brigade was developed out of a group of Nets Daily, Daily commenters, which I found, which I found oh. out. Right. And I will say this before we go to our first break: the, the Nets Daily fan base. Um, and just when I started doing video work mm -hmm. for Nets Daily, I met you five years ago when we started doing it. Um, the interaction with you, the comments were great for me because I got to see what worked, what didn't work, yeah. what fans liked in terms of video stuff. And then I would see fans at the games. And there's so many of them I know um, and have seen over the years or seen in a restaurant. Oh, yeah, they would come up food. to you. Yeah. And it's crazy. It, that stuff has been they crazy that, to me yeah. <laughs> because I've met people in restaurants, in bars. And, I was in a, in a casino yeah. in Atlantic City and somebody came up to you me and said, you're not, a, you're not income, aren't you? My wife was like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is still, which is yeah. weird. But how, um, how does your wife feel about all that? Um, she's a bird watcher. I don't watch birds. She doesn't. <laughs> she doesn't write for itself. But she's very perceptive. I tell the story. We had, we had courtside seats one night, and she decided she would come. It was a Philly game, and she's from Philly. Um, yeah. And it was when Lionel Hollins was coaching, hmm. and we sat there and we watched the interaction between Lionel and the players. And at the end of the game, she said, "This team is united in only one thing: their hatred of the coach." And I said. This is a very perceptive woman. Very perceptive woman. Right. Very perceptive woman. On that, on that note, we're going we're gonna to take our first break. When we come back, we'll talk to uh, Bob a little bit more about Nets Daily, some of uh, the craziest stories he's had from his years of coverage, and what he thinks the Nets can do in the future going beyond. We'll talk about more of that when we come back on the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. What's up, listeners? You know sometimes how it can be hard just to get from point A to point B. Now, when I have to get anywhere and I don't want to deal with the hassle of public transportation, it ain't hard to tell how I get around. I always make sure to use the best car service app in the game. I'm talking about Lyft. Lyft offers rides in minutes. All you have to do is download the Lyft app, press the ride, and you will be on your way quickly. Lyft is all about happy riders and happy drivers. Take a ride with them and you'll see why 9 out of 10 rides end up with a 5-star rating. Lyft always has amazing offers for new customers, and I'm here to tell our listeners about a great offer today. Lyft is currently offering free ride credit to Ain't Hard to Tell listeners. If you are new to Lyft, then you are eligible, and getting your credit is easy. All you have to do is download the app and use the promo code AHTTPOD to unlock your free credit today. Ain't Hard to Tell who has the best car app service. So use the code today and ride out loud with Lyft. 
best new sports web series is here. It's from Backpack Broadcasting, and it's called The Sports Walk. The Sports Walk is a series where diverse sports fans take a walk and share their views at the intersection of sports and society. The entire first season is now available on Backpack Broadcasting's YouTube channel and BackpackBroadcasting.com. See what other sports fans have to say about a variety of issues in the world of sports. Watch all 13 episodes from season one and take the sports walk today. Welcome back to Ain't Hard to Tell Podcast, episode 34. Our guest today is Robert Windrum. He is the editor of NetsDaily.com and investigative reporter for NBC. And uh, Bob, we were talking about this just now a little bit off when we were off on break, but one of the things that you do as an editor, somebody who contributes to this, the Nets Daily content is when you go to games, you're sitting with the fans. Yeah, uh, well, I've had a, I'm a season ticket holder now for it's 11 or 12 years, something like that. Um, before that, I had packages. But Dennis Lynn, no relation, um, and <laughs> I have sat together for, um, you know, for that entire time. And we started out in uh, the Meadowlands, then we went to Newark, then we went to, and then we went to uh, Barclays. Um, so we have seen, the first year we had tickets, and the Nets were so desperate in New Jersey to sell season tickets, we paid $199 each for season tickets. They were in the next to last row. <laughs> What? And, <laughs> the and then, uh, it's the price that got me. I'm like, yeah. what? I'm like, what? Okay. We pay a bit more now. Yeah, I, yeah, I think so. I would think so. Yeah. Right. Wow. 199 bucks. Next to last row. Next to last row at the Meadowlands. Had to walk up 75 steps. What? What year was this? Um, let me see. This would have been. Those 10, 11 years. It would have been. It would have been after. Yeah, but it was. Vince Carter was there. Yeah, it was Vince. Was Vince Carter, Carter stole it? It was still. It was like okay. two thousand seven or so, something okay. like that. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, to, okay. It couldn't have been worse than what two thousand ten. No, yeah. nothing was worse. Than See, I actually, and I actually went to a lot of those games. I remember because I was in high school at the time. I had friends that would come up to me during school and be like, "Oh, Nets tickets are being sold for like seventy-five cents today." <laughs> that wow. was a real thing. That was a real thing. That's yeah. exactly how right. bad was it getting through? Because Brian brings it up. How bad was it? I'm laughing. How bad was it getting through 2010? It was well. Everybody had. And how hope. many games were you going to? It was to? the Devin like, Harris show worth, every night. Yeah, <laughs> but was it worth your time, Bob? Well, it was. I mean, you know, it was. I, I live in New Jersey. It wasn't that far away, um, and you know, and I love basketball, and I've always loved basketball, mm -hmm. and you know, and and they were playing a lot of good teams, you know, <laughs> um, but uh, it was, you know, it was very tough, and what held people together throughout that was the idea that you were going to get the first overall you know, number one pick. Oh, and then boy. the lottery that night, um, that's Man. when my son lost his fandom. He just he walked out of the room. We went to the lottery the party, same. me and my brother did, right. where it was on the court, and they were going to announce who they picked. I remember that. Yeah, well, it was, that I mean, and that was, Prokhorov's first, well. <laughs> that was Prokhorov's first yeah. event, yeah. basically. Huh. I mean, he was there, and then you may recall he was standing very stoically and unmoving when when it was when the Wizards won. And not only did he get not get number one, they didn't get number two. They wound up with Derek Favors, who was the key piece in the Darren Williams trade. Um, so there was some value there, but you know it was very very tough because that was looked at basically as a one player 
draft. Yes. And yes. that John Wall was going to transform the point guard position. That was words that were used that he was, you know, once in a you know, generation talent. He's a very good player, but he's not a once in a generation talent. Yeah, th those words were a bit much. Now right, you're right. Back and, 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 you know, and so it was very disappointing that he didn't come. And of course, you know, without getting into detail, if the Nets do wind up with John Wall, yep. everything changes. Yeah. You know, they don't wind up with Darren. Um, you know, they don't, and then they don't try to satisfy Darren by trying to sign Dwight Howard. <laughs> Trading away the you know the pick that became Damian Lillard, bringing in Joe Johnson in order to keep him around, and then of course the horror. <laughs> oh, the horror! <laughs> I, I want to get into the horror because mm -hmm. I, a little bit about that. I want to get into the no, horror. No, you talk, you're talking about 2010. You went back to a very dark time, and then how that didn't pan out for the Nets. We're getting a one mm -hmm. overall pick. Um, could you, before, because I, I started working the first year they came to Brooklyn. So mm -hmm. I think that's when 2012, I, that's, right. 2012. Damn. What did you think about the move of them coming to Brooklyn? I was all in favor of it, and I had a lot of people from Jersey who just hated me for it. Because that, But that's the vibe I had got before yeah. I started working in Nets mm -hmm. Daily, talking to fans who lived in Jersey who were diehard Nets fans. I always got the impression, like, no, we don't want to come to Brooklyn. We don't like it. And they but, didn't. And yeah. they, they was much. Uh, what happened was one of the reasons, one of the reasons why Bruce Ratner and and Brett Yormark talked about a, a temporary parking garage. A temporary yeah, was that. because yeah. they anticipated that the Nets fans would drive, and they didn't. Hmm. The numbers were dramatically less than what they had. The numbers of Brooklyn fans who walked mm. was greater. Mm. But the number of fans who were driving, and that's why there is no parking deck at, at, you know, or, or anything like that at, at, at Barclays. The only, right. Probably the, the, only, you know, the only NBA arena like that. Um, mm -hmm. And so, but what happened was I was in favor of it for a number of reasons. Um, I was in favor of it because it was New York. I was in favor of it because it would be their own arena. I was in favor of it because, you know, you had to make some sort of change and you know and I'm still a season ticket holder I mean I work in New York you know during the during the day they're on weekdays and then I'll take the subway down to Barclays and then make my way home through Penn Station but you know look which is always interesting oh yeah <laughs> night of the living dead um, <laughs> yes <laughs> but not as bad as Port Authority no um, no not even close <laughs> not even close no, no. Um, but yeah, I, so I was in favor of it. And I also just thought the idea that, I mean, remember, Meadowlands was voted annually the worst wow. sports venue in America. The worst. The worst. worst. It's closed now. Yeah. I mean, they, they do commercials there. Yeah. There's no, no sporting events happen in the, in the Meadowlands. No, what no, became the IZOD Center yeah, yeah. later on. And they still call it the IZOD Center, which is the IZOD's benefit benefit because... They don't. They don't pay anymore. They don't. Right. The, the naming rights. They stopped paying the naming rights years ago. But it's still, it's still the there. Wow. Right. You still see. I, I didn't even know that. Yeah. They're yeah. not. They're yeah. not. Yeah. I, I wanna, guess. I want to get. In, I want to get into kind of like the rise of uh, Nets Daily, so to speak, because I remember even back when it was starting. What thirteen years ago or whatever. So Fifteen. My, Fifteen. Mm -hmm. So my brother was a season ticket holder from two thousand two, I believe, to two thousand thirteen. As you said, the glory years. The uh, beginning you know, of the other. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes. Jason Kidd and Vince Carter and all that. All that fun stuff. 
Yes, it was fun. So I was put on to Nets Daily. I must have been. This must have been 2005. So I was 11 years old. <laughs> I was not. Neither was I. <laughs> I'm showing sure, sure like my age. But, and, you know, and to kind of see it now, I remember two years ago when Dexter suggested, you know, uh, writing for you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, oh, I hadn't come across it in a while, but I knew what it was. I had no idea it was owned by SB Nation, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Well, it was only owned by SB Nation. I think it's been five years, I think. Yeah, it could have been that right when I came on, it yeah. was yeah, owned I, by SB Nation. Yeah, because I couldn't. It's like that. just before, maybe six years, it was just before the Brooklyn move. So you've seen, yeah. you've, you've seen those kind of transformations, though, I guess. Take, yeah. me, take us through the, the, those 15 years of like how it's grown and how it's been well, different now than it, before. It started basically as a news aggregation site. That was John's you know, idea, and that's what we did. Um, and we would do short intros, and then you know, we'd do the links. And we would have then, and then ultimately we had the comments. But along the way, particularly around the time as their move, as the team was moving from New Jersey to Brooklyn, we just, you know, we decided, decided we should do our own stuff. We should try to break our own stuff, and we did a few, you know, a few times. And you know, I wanted to move away from just being an aggregator. Um, and and you know, what happened along the way as well was we were able to, we were able to get a bigger audience. Um, we were able to get more credibility mm-hmm. um, with the team, um, and I thought that oh, was yeah. that was helpful. Um, I'd still like more, um, but I think I was ask give us that. more credit, more right. credibility. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I was gonna um, say, I was gonna ask. Do you feel like Do you feel like we as Ned Staley kind of get that respect that we should be getting? I think we get the respect from the fan base. Um, <laughs> <laughs> No, but I actually agree with that. I think you do from the fan base. Oh, fan base. Yeah, look, and that's what it's about. You know, look, you know, yeah. I don't make any money on this. You know, he can tell you he doesn't make money either. I, mean, I didn't make, make money. I haven't made you much money But we cheaped you out, pal. Um, <laughs> well, we'll get into that. After. Yeah, right. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> right. But no, look, it, it's, 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 we will. there's a reason to do it. I mean, there are a number of reasons why people do it. Yeah. People do it because the love of the team. Right. People do it like Brian and, and Pooch do it because it's part of their development as, as writers. Um, and, and, and you did it, but, you know, video. Um, yep. But, you know, basically, the, you know, the bottom line is it's about, it's about the team. Mm-hmm. And it's about the fan base. And, you know, it's, it's the fan base changes. My God, it's, you know, I mean, I go back a few years and go through the, the kids who were kind of, I'd lay, I shouldn't say kids because as I've, over the years I've learned not a lot of them are kids. Mm. Um, and, you know, what you see is it changes. And, you know, and there have been moments where, where the, the, the site changed. I mean, uh, one moment was the... Dwight Mayer when he decided at the last minute mm. to to um, to back out. Was this the first um, Dwight Mayer? No, no, that was now. there are seven. <laughs> that was the third, I second, second or third. Um, and there were Dwight Mayers that nobody knew about. Yeah. Um, or but, want to know about, probably. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, I mean that. I mean, we had that day. That was our biggest day ever of traffic. To yes, the, to, biggest to the traffic. Um, I mean, and when we got to um, when uh, when the Nets traded for Darren Williams, actually, that's when we had just started with SB Nation. Mm. 
And to give you an idea of how the fan base can suddenly just congeal, and you know, it crashed the SB Nation servers, all of them, not just yeah. our, not just when Darren Williams was traded, because it came out of nowhere, as you remember. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. I yeah. could not get into the site to create a story <laughs> for almost a half hour because it had just blown out. It just blown out the the servers at SB Nation. Where were where were you? Because you have updated the site from like you know. Anywhere, a lot, everywhere. A lot of different I know, parts I know of this. the world. Like parts of the world. I know <laughs> which, where you've not even we, been here. We talked about off record. <laughs> like I have I have updated the site from Tehran in Iran, uh, Riyadh in Saudi Arabia, Rome. I've updated it from London. I've updated it from Paris. Um, trying to think. Of Riyadh, Tehran was my favorite update. Um, <laughs> was that the one with the um, where you were in the hotel? And there was a guy. Oh, that was Saudi. That was Saudi. Yes, that was. Guy doing what? I'm like, where's this going? I'm in the I'm in a hotel room on the 38th floor of the Kingdom Center in Riyadh. In Riyadh, okay, right? yes. With a big floor to ceiling glass windows. Uh huh. And I'm sitting in my pajamas at my desk at the desk with my laptop, and I'm, you know, and suddenly I look up, and there's a man descending down the window <laughs> and and his face is covered all I could see is his eyes and he's descending and I'm sitting there well, maybe I should pay attention to this uh, um, yeah was he like doing a stunt for the next Mission Impossible? No, he was a he was a window washer. Oh, so also oh, he had his like little <laughs> yeah. He thing. was like he was. Oh, okay. well, I didn't know that initially. Oh, all okay. I see is him descend and like you know this, this is the thirty eighth floor and I'm saying I'm in fuck you know I'm in Riyadh. You know? Yeah. Um, and I, so so you know I just <laughs> I thought to myself, there's really no concern here. I mean, <laughs> this sand gets on the window. They have sandstorms. Right. They need to wash the windows and. Uh, He's doing I'll that. just continue, you know, updating Nets Daily. But you were on the 38th floor. I was on the 38th <laughs> floor. I was like 400 feet above the city. Yes. And you did not expect that. I wouldn't have expected that. No, no, it I'm was. Crying. It was no. It was. It was. It's. I mean, but yeah, I've I've updated it from bizarre places. Honolulu. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of different places. Do you remember what you were updating in Saudi Arabia? Like, <sighs> let's was see. It, it was, was it the Andre Blatch acquisition. April two thousand. Exciting one. April two thousand five. <laughs> so that's when I was there. Was there? That was the end of the season. Yeah, you, it was the end of the season. You kind of you kind of hit on this and talked about this, but you know, and I'll say this: I met you. I think it was twenty twelve, twenty thirteen. By the way, I was working for NBC in Riyadh. I wasn't. And we, and we, yes, not, not <laughs> right. You weren't <laughs> just there. I wasn't yeah. scouting some Saudi <laughs> right. big man. Right. No, <laughs> that should have right. been noted. Yes, exactly. Um, you talked about the opportunities Nets Daily has given, uh, obviously, people like uh, Brian and, and Pooch and then even myself when I came to you because sure. I found out about SB Nation through a, fr a friend of mm -hmm. mine who did some stuff with the Wizards, and he's like, you should check out the site. Bob and I actually had a meeting at the Starbucks. That's right. right. I at, forgot that. Right at the, um, at the Barclays okay. um, and talked about the content we could do. And, um, hey, and you, you sent us a letter. I sent you an email. You got back to me very quickly. I yeah, remember that. Video. Very Ooh, boy. Right. And he was like, video, like, let's do it. And then we met and we talked about it. I will say here, and I've said this to you before, but thank you for that opportunity because it allowed Worked me for to... for us. I mean, yeah. the, one of the key, th one of the things that people forget, I mm -hmm. mean, one of the great moments of Nets Daily, 
exclusive moments of Ned's Daily. Darren Williams dodge ball. No, 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 no. Let's <laughs> <laughs> not go to that. We're not going. We have to bring a video for that. I love bringing that up. Please, oh, please. This is a much better story. Um, <laughs> the Joe Jesus comment mm. by Kevin Garnett. Yeah, I was that. ours exclusively. And you know what's we funny? We had the only video of that. You know what's funny? I'll never forget that night because I was in the Nets locker room and yes, and all the other TV stations left. Nobody wanted to wait around. Something told me, stay around, get waiting for, Kev, for KG to talk. KG talks, he says that. As soon as he said that, I turned to Tom Lorenzo <laughs> and I said, yo, we gotta put that up. Like that <laughs> yo, clip, man, right now. Like that clip has to go up now. 150,000 page views, one of the highest one of the biggest, one of the biggest and views stuff. on YouTube, I think within like a day or 24 hours was at really like 20, 30,000. Yeah. And by the end of the week, it was at 70,000. Yeah. I remember that. Insane. I, cause, cause Tom was like, you sure? I'm like, people are going to love this. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're going to love this. They're going to love this Joe Jesus comment. Right. Yeah. And, and it, I mean, great. and it, it, it became, it became his nickname. It became part of not just Nets lore, but you know Joe Johnson lore. It's um, memed now. Crazy to think I'm responsible. I'm somewhat. Res I'm no, you're not somewhat that. responsible. You're responsible it for That's it. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. And it's stuck after that. Yeah, it's speaking stuck, of, speaking right. of not getting proper credit. <laughs> well, no, and, I, and the point of what I was trying to do before we go to break is I was trying to give Bob the credit too of of being able to give people opportunities like that within the world of journalism right. because Minorities that too. that yes, and Bob, we've talked about this before. That is important, yeah. and and you've done that. Uh, whether it's myself, Pooch, Brian, and Ryan, we, we are grateful. Brian, Brian Florentine. Yeah. Brian Florentine. Yep. Who does our? Who does our? Um, who does two things for us? He does the game previews, mm -hmm. and then occasionally he will do stories on, on the social aspects of of. He does a great job. Basketball, which he, he should do more of because every time he writes them, he's terrific. And he, and you know, Brian's a very interesting guy. He's from Canarsie. Yep. Um, he has two bachelor's degrees. He's getting a master's degree. He's a social worker. He takes care of old people. I mean, he's a wonderful, wonderful human being. And, you know, and, and look, there's, there are reasons for doing this with, with, with people. It's, and again, it's not, look, it's not just, it's not ilio-monsonary. It's not charitable. It's, you know, right. it's, it's, it's helping the site. It's giving the site a diverse, you know, a diverse group of, of writers and videographers. And I think that that's important because, you know, to have people from, again, I'm from New Jersey, but mm -hmm. to have people from, like you, from yep. Brooklyn, yep. like you, from Queens, like Pooch from the island, like Brian from Canarsie. I mean, those are the sorts of things that gives a, a certain level. And also the backgrounds of people you played Yep. You played ball. Yep. Pooch played ball. Yep. Um, I know. too. And you did? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, right. Um, but, well, we'll we'll leave that um, unattended. I have, um, I have photos. Yeah. Um, with <laughs> braids and with an apple. He always talks about these photos. But does Certain not things I don't ever I need to see. Them. See? Yeah. Bob doesn't want to see them either. There I have to go. go find them, but they are. Please no, they can say what they are. Right. They can say what they are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, look, the site has its own life. Right. I mean, how long am I going to do it? Um, I will reveal to you that I'm 73 years old. You know, I don't know how much longer I'm going to do it. Mm. Um, but I, you know, I had this big, you know, this big Meshuggah moment about how long am I going to do this? How long am I going to do NBC? And then I just said, if I can do it, I'll do it. You know, and if I can't do it, well, then I'll say it's over. 
And I have a history of in in my life of saying, you know, this is this is it's over now, and Excellent. I'll just and I'll walk away. Um, but I think, although I have been at NBC for 38 years, um, it's crazy. We're gonna get into that in the next segment. That's crazy. Right. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, let's 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 break right there. We're gonna come back. We're gonna talk to you a little about NBC and how long you've been there and how much. Well, you said you'll know when it's done. We'll talk more about that. We come back on a hard to tell sports. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say sports walk. A hard <laughs> to tell is the place where fans talk about sports via video. All videos are 60 seconds or shorter. Sports Guru makes the video look more professional and fun by adding automated on-screen graphics. You can follow your favorite sports by team, trending, new, or by people you follow, and more. Type in the title of your video and it will automatically, that's right, auto-magically go into your on-screen graphics. It's just that simple. Tag your teams and publish sports. Let's talk sports. It ain't hard to tell where to get the latest merchandise from Backpack Broadcasting. Gear is now available via TeePublic. Visit the Backpack Broadcasting TeePublic online store to get shirts, hoodies, mugs, and phone cases. Represent your favorite Backpack Broadcasting shows, including the Sports Walk, Sideline Stories, and of course, the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. Check out the special offers for our podcast listeners at http colon backslash backslash pub backslash lic backslash backpack get in the game with your official backpack broadcasting here today all right welcome back to the ain't hard to tell podcast episode 34 our guest robert windrum that's daily nbc investigative reporter uh, you talked to us about your time at NBC, your crazy uh, story, seeing the window washer down, <laughs> and other, other in things. In Saudi Arabia. You can't leave that part in out. Saudi Arabia, yes. <laughs> Not that he was here in the States and you've been everywhere. You've seen a lot in journalism. Um, there's a lot you've told us. As all, We're all sitting here as journalists. You've been doing it for, what did you say, 38, 39 years? I've been at NBC 30, it'll be 38 years in August. The first question I have to ask for anybody who's done anything that long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Clearly, you have to love it, or you're just suffering. Most of the most days, yes. yes. No, and, look, and I'm very fortunate. I, I, you know, I, I will not, you know, I will not step back from. How much from do you that? love the investigate? Because I think in people who are investigative journalists, there is a great any journalism is a great art too. But investigative journalism is you really dig deep. You're working on pieces. You're working sources. You're, you get moments. Mo- I mean, there yeah. are moments when suddenly it either comes together or suddenly you call somebody and they say. Yeah, I have that document. I've been waiting for your phone call for years. That literally happened to me. Um, <laughs> that's, a, was, that's a phone call. And I was, How did you feel after that? I was on a plane to Minneapolis the next day. Um, <laughs> I have that document. All right, thank you. Okay. Can I have it? Yes, you can. All right, see you tomorrow. Um, but, yeah, there are moments like that. And, you know, and, but a lot of it is also just you know, making phone calls and developing sources mm-hmm. and, and, re- and, and, and trying in your head to think, Wait a minute! I know somebody who could help on this, you know, uh, somebody who's just a little off. You know, I haven't thought about him or her in this relationship with this story, and maybe I should call them. And you know, and it works, and that's fun. And it's also the collaborative aspect to it. I mean, television is very collaborative, as you know. Yes. Yes. You have to. You you need other people. Yes. Yes. Um, and the internet is collaborative, and you you know, and you need good editors. You need good cameramen. You need other reporters. And, you know, it's interesting because when people make the transition from print 
you know, where you basically need a notepad yep. um, and a, you know, maybe a tape recorder or, you know, an iPad or iPod or I, whatever, iPhone. Um, you know, it's different. And, it's different. You know, and I did come from print and it's been, you know, the collegiality of it. And NBC is a wonderful place. You know, again, I mean, August of 1980, I walk in the door. Um, still there. And yeah, and, you know, Jimmy Carter was president. Ronald Reagan was was running for president, and he wasn't uh, born. <laughs> he wasn't born, and um, my older sister wasn't born. Right, and the and you know the the hostages were still in were still in Iran. The Iranian hostages. So I mean, it was and you know I've gone through a lot of different things, and I've met a lot of you know. What's the people. What's the craziest in your opinion? Yeah. What's the craziest story you've worked on where it was just insane to either be there or to get the story told because those are two mm -hmm. different things that are hard but like what's the how about a day story? at chernobyl what a day at chernobyl Reactor oh, right, site that's now right. look up look go google what? some pictures of chernobyl <laughs> so you can see it now google some pictures of chernobyl yeah. so you I see what that day, i spent the day at chernobyl really about 150 feet away from the uh, reactor and that was what were you wearing to make sure a lovely spring jacket. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It was quite nice. Yeah. Um, my wife made me burn it, um, and we haven't had any children since. Um, but uh, no, that was that was that's about the wildest. Um, and it was on a tour we did in the Soviet Union, and uh, but it was. Yeah, I mean, we talked to people who had been evacuated, mm -hmm. and, we, and there was this small town, very, there was a, something called an exclusion zone that nobody could live in because the radiation levels were so, so high. high. <laughs> and, um, but there were these older people who had been in this town, and they permitted them to go back. And, and, and they were all like in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, so they let them stay there. Um, and that was strange. What, did you talk to those people? Oh, yeah, of course, of course. What did they say? They wanted cigarettes. Um, <laughs> they bummed cigarettes off us. Um, Interesting. But uh, not that I smoke. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was, I mean, they talked about, they talked about, you know, what have, come on, what have we got to lose? We're, you know, we're old and, you know, and we, we don't want to leave our houses. And, you know, some of the younger people wound up on collective farms. And, yeah. I mean, it was a very, it was, you know, and, and, they had a cleanup crews that that it was so silent that they had to pump classical music into into the the town that surrounded it um, so that people wouldn't go crazy and there was you know Russian classical music playing everywhere from loudspeakers it was bizarre that is bizarre but that's the most too. that's probably the most bizarre I mean I've also flown an off on and off aircraft carriers and hunted for subs and was on a submarine on a mission and was under nuclear sub and, you know, fun stuff like that. Right. Fun. Oh. How, have you, how have you seen sort of like reporting change <clears throat> through like social media now because the lines are more blurred? Well, social media, I mean, it's interesting because social media is very good for breaking news. It is not good for, for much else. Um, I mean, you still mm. want... If you want an in-depth look, you know, social media is not going to give you that, but it does give you video. It can give you live video. It can give you live streams. It can give you, it can give you a sense of, you know, of, of what's happening now. And you know, the combination of that and cable it makes it, you know, when I started, there was no cable television. I mean, CNN had gone on the air three weeks before I started at NBC. 
Mm. So it was, you know, it was brand new and nobody, it was chicken noodle news. Um, you know, that's what it was called by the people at, at the networks. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and then they became what they became. But I think the, the you know, the, the, the big thing that has changed from the day that I walked in to now was women. The presence of women, not just in the newsroom, but ultimately in, in the boardrooms. When mm -hmm. I came to NBC, there were two women on the staff, on the uh, production staff. One of them was, a, was the mistress of the executive producer. And the other woman was you know, producer. She's still there. Um, there were no blacks. There were no openly gay people. There were no Asians. And this is in the new. This is not 1967. This is 1980. Mm, you know, right. and this is in, and this is you know NBC nightly news, and that's what it was. I mm. mean, it was a bunch of white guys, um, and there were, and the women were all researchers. There was one working producer, and all the males, and then in the research area, it was all women except for one guy. Um, so, I mean, there was this segregation mm. of, 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 of the genders, um, but that's the biggest difference. And, you know, I've, and, you know, until recently, the president of NBC News was a woman. So, I mean, yeah. I've seen the whole, you know, the whole gamut, but that's the biggest change. What, do, do you feel, because you do um, investigative reporting and sometimes, sometimes some long-form yes. reporting, um, and I've talked to you a little about this as well, too, there always has been this thing that uh, people, especially now in the social media age, don't want to watch longer form reporting, don't care about that, it's going to die. To that you say? To that I say things change all the time. Um, and I think that the more younger people get involved in, for the want of a better term, the political culture, um, there's going to be a greater interest. And I mean, you've seen that develop around the big issues of the time about gun control, about the Trump presidency, I mean, and now about immigration. Mm. I mean, you people now have a greater hunger for this. Mm. Um, and, you know, a lot of it is still talking heads and it's, you know, and it's Twitter and it's Facebook and, and a lot of other things. But people now have a, a, a greater curiosity, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, the ratings, you know, the news magazines do quite well. Um, they make them. money. Yep. Um, you know, and they have a younger audience than the evening news programs. Mm -hmm. um, they have the cable audiences are younger, um, but except for Fox, where the median age is 68, so their audience is literally dying. Yep. Um, like but baseball fans. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> well done, Brian. Right. Like baseball fans. Um, and, you know, so, I mean, but, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a whole different, it's a, and look, who knows what the, who knows what it's going to be like in five or ten years. You're right, no, and I'll get to Brian in a second. I know, nobody knows, but I also wanted to mention, I think it was maybe two or three summers ago, I sent you an email and I asked you, I said, hey, I want to transition from doing more local reporting I wanted you to, to bring this up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> More correspondent, long-form reporting, and you gave me, and I, I don't know if I've ever even said this to you, you gave me probably the best advice you could have given me at the time, and you said, do it yourself. Do, go do this long-form sports reporting yeah. that you want to do yourself, and I have, and I've done sideline stories, so sure. the piece I did with Dinwiddie sure. and other stuff we worked on, Brian and I just did a, a series of boxing, 
Um, what I've seen in, in that, and I kind of wanted to respond to what you said, is I think the interest is still there from people. I yeah, think as long I mean, as you make the piece, it's interesting. People. Yeah, and yeah. it's, you know, I mean, look, you can't look at the audience as, you can't look at the audience as just, you know, one, you know, one general, one, right. know, one, or, I mean, you know, one monolithic audience. You can't right. look at it that way. It's, especially nowadays, you know, it's much more fragmented. Great. And it's it's fragmented for a lot of different reasons. It's in a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's fragmented by you know, age. It's fragmented by you know race and gender. You know, by you know LGBT. It's, there's there's various and sundry different audiences out there. And it's the same thing. It's the same thing in sports. Hmm. You know, I mean, there's soccer fans and there's basketball fans and there's college basketball fans and there's women's basketball fans. One of the kids who we had writing uh, a few years ago, Danny Lagudice, I think that's how it's pronounced. Mm -hmm. He wrote a few pieces for us. He was actually the pizza delivery kid, and I noticed he was a Nets fan. And I said, you're a journalism student. Why aren't you writing? You, know, you should be writing for us. And he did. Huh. And now his specialty at the Asbury Park Press is women's sports. Huh. You know? And so, you know, there's a lot of different, there's a lot of different niches out there. Agreed. Um, and you can't satisfy everybody. You shouldn't try to satisfy everybody. You should just try to satisfy standards, mm. no matter how you tell it. That's yeah. great advice. Yeah. Well, That's just write it down. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is stuff that Dexter also says kind of regularly, just I, in different ways. And, and mm. yeah, and as far as a content creator, I happen to believe in that. Like, I don't think you can satisfy everybody in a content creator. Like, this podcast isn't for everybody. Um, some episodes we do, some people are going to really like, some people aren't going to like. Somebody might not like Bob as a guest, they might not like the hat he's wearing. Personally, I don't really care. <laughs> but, you know, like, I'm just saying that they're different. anybody cannot like something for any reasons. And, and, yeah, you know, and, and look, and, and getting back to, you know, getting back to the reason why we all know each other, you know, the Nets, which is people like the direction they're going, people don't like the direction they're going. I mean, it's, it's, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. um, but do I, I mean, I'm a season ticket holder. I invest a lot of time on the website editing his copy. Um, <laughs> Come on, Brian, make it, make, make it easier. <laughs> um, Why does it got to be mine, man? Right. Um, <laughs> well, um, but uh, no, and, and you know, and you, you just have to, you have to have faith and you have to, you know, I mean, I'm sort of amazed that I've been able to, that I was able to get through certain periods mm -hmm. and, not, and not just say, to hell with it. Oh, like the 10 win season? 10 win season wasn't that bad. Really? No, I mean, there so was a no situation. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you would think so because it's 10 wins in an 82 game season. But I guess so, what were some of those periods? Oh, the horror. Um, oh, do, oh, do tell. The Boston <laughs> trade. That, that, when you said all the horror, that's where I felt like we were going. We haven't even touched on that much yet. So No, I mean, look, I know I was aware in real time. I'm not going to get into how I know it, but I was aware in real time of what was happening. And that story that was, um, that was in the ringer where the owner of the Boston Celtics said he kept going back to Danny and saying, give me another pick. Mm -hmm. Give me another pick. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, you know, Billy King was serving up picks. Yeah, well, it was <laughs> Billy. And so from the time you heard it, how long did it take for you to actually believe it? 
because it didn't oh, no, sound no, like no, it. Oh, no, 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 no. Look, I, this is what I knew. On the, remember, the draft's always on a Thursday. And I, yeah. uh, as I said, real-time knowledge around lunchtime. And on, what people didn't know at that point was by two, on Tuesday night, they had agreed to a very narrow and smart deal, which was Paul Pierce for Chris Humphreys and the 2016 first-round pick. Yeah. Unprotected. Yeah. I mean, Paul, I had always loved Paul Pierce. Um, mm. You know, I thought he was, uh, you know, he was somebody, you want to talk about somebody who's not that athletic, but had, yes. a, you know, had a great career. Um, and I always loved that about him. Um, and then they got greedy. Mm. And then they wanted KG, and they only wanted to give up one pick. Then they decided they would give up two pick, and they didn't want, and they didn't want Jason Terry in the deal. And then they, Jason Terry, then there was a third pick, then Gerald Wallace, and ah! <laughs> Yeah. I don't remember. I remember being. I was at that press conference, by the way. You were. So was I. So was I. I was there. My yeah. brother was there. You, well, you interviewed me afterward. I did. And I, I said they have a one-year window. <laughs> you know what's funny? I was. Trying, I could. I was just I about was to go right. there because I was saying I didn't remember your feelings on the trade, and I think I remember telling you I was not. I wasn't thrilled about it. I didn't think it was. Well, I, I think I've, I've written about this on the website, which yeah. is, we had. 2,459 comments on the trade. And only one. And there was one. Yes. One guy who said, this is crazy. <laughs> Giving up all these picks, this is nuts. This is a bad deal. And everybody's going, yeah, you're crazy. Yeah, this is I don't crazy. know what that says about the Nets fan base, but. I've tried to find him. I've tried to find him. Bring him back. We got to find him. We got to bring him back. <laughs> like, I'm tell writer. Us, tell us more. I'm writer. <laughs> right. Right. That's, uh, he before, was right. Before he was right. Um, two he's things. The only one right. Though. He's the only yes, one. The only thing. one. Yeah, he's, 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 I was lucky. I wasn't hero. on the board that night. Because I, <laughs> I was doing. I was wrapping up the the draft coverage. Uh, How did you think it was going to go? Did you? Because I remember my yeah. brother being a Net fan. He thought they were going to win sixty wins in the next. Yeah, season. I know. I mean, look. And initially, initially, I had doubts because I knew that they hadn't given up. I knew that they, what they. I knew where it started and where it had gone, and I was like three picks plus a swap. But then, you know, like everybody else, I bought into it. And I said, well, let's give I it mean, a shot. I mean, you had no alternative. No, at that, and that's, yeah, and to a certain degree, that's it. I mean, what's your choice? You can either say, all right, I'll stop becoming a fan. Right. <laughs> I won't buy my season tickets. I'll quit my next daily job. And, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I decided not to do that. Because right. um, you always want to see, you know, I'm a reporter. You always want to see what's around the next bend. Do you want to see... How's this going to work out? And yeah. of course, suddenly at the season began, and they were like, "Oh my God, they were horrible." Yep. And one of the reasons why they were horrible, by the way, is they were all out of shape, which is not something that's talked about. I mean, mm -hmm. Paul Pierce's reputation was he will play his way into shape, and everybody mm -hmm. accepted that. KG's reputation was that he would work his ass off during the summer and come in. He didn't that summer. Andre Kirilenko, who people forget, was you know was yep. also on that team. The greatest nickname ever. Right, AK-47. Um, nickname he, that probably wouldn't fly today, but yeah. He <laughs> proudly said, he proudly said he hadn't touched a basketball all summer because it was the first that. summer that he had off from his national team commitments, yep. and he went to Saint Tropez where he had a place on the French Riviera and spent time with his kids and came in and what happened. He had back spasms and he was out from, and that was it for him. That, the, yep. you know, woo. Was that before or after the back tattoo? It was after the back yeah. tattoo. Man, I don't know yeah, if there's a relation. Um, there may be, who knows? Too much extra weight. Um, <laughs> but, we, but we got here, but we got here um, because we were talking about 
those times where it was basically almost over for Nets Daily? So I guess when did that kind of come in? Well, I think that, you know, I think that as, thing, as the realization dawned that, that this, wasn't gonna work. this isn't going to work, and then the kid thing at the end of the year, and, you know, where he and Billy mm-hmm. had the power struggle, and... That was crazy. And that was crazy, and it was, I mean, the, the, they, they had the press conference in April, or June, May, no, May, um, right after the season was over. Yeah. They had a... They had a press conference over at over at uh, Sunset Park, yep. where they announced that they were building the you know the, the training facility. Yep, I was and there Kid was taking questions about what was going to happen next year. What was he looking forward yep. to next year when he had already agreed to the buyout? <laughs> <laughs> he was, and, and we didn't. I remember that because we did a good coverage that day and I interviewed Irina and you. We did yeah, all this yeah, stuff. Yeah. I remember that and. I found it out later, and I was just like, wow. The kid kid stuff was crazy. Yeah, the kid stuff was insane. And again, and then suddenly, then things really start to, then they bring, they they bring in Lionel Harris, or Lionel Hollins, excuse me. Um, How could I forget? Um, And it was, and it was, and and that was like, that's the reason why Billy was fired. Billy was fired not because of the screw up with the Boston trade, was because he brought in Lionel without real, he was pushing hard to bring Lionel in, and they hated him. The Russians hated him. Yeah, we know he didn't get along with the- He didn't get along with many people. Many people Um, And, you know, and I think that that was, I mean, that there's there's like an insidious effect as each one of these things build and build and build and build, and then finally, then finally you realize you're at the bottom they fire Billy. They fire Lionel, yep. and then they and then they almost screwed up the Sean Marks hiring, if you remember, because mm-hmm. there was the one day and what was yeah they basically lowballed him, yeah, um, after he had agreed to accept the deal, and then you know and then the, he arrives and and he sees what has to be done and you know they have assets but nobody wants to play there, and one of the reasons why nobody wants to play there is because the future looks so bad. What Steve Kerr said was. Now, this may have been the worst hand dealt to any GM in NBA history. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't, and this is the last thing we're gonna do before we wrap up that I wanna ask. With all that being said, you just went through the history, the, the trade, everything's happened. Mark's here now as a fan and contributor to Philly. How do you feel about the future of this franchise as we had, we're prepared for the offseason here in 2018 and we go into the 2018 2019 season? Is the future bright for the Brooklyn Nets? Hmm. The future is long. <laughs> you know, when somebody says the future is long, not bright, that means it's that means it's, it's long. It's I mean, long. look, I'm not saying we're, that means that means we're not seeing we're seeing glimmer of, of hope in There'll the light. Be a dynasty. In it's five not years. dark. No, it's not means. dark. But it's you know, but it's 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 there's real issues. I mean, there's talent issues, and now they have their picks, and you know, and they have and they have a and they have a new owner who is extremely patient. Mm-hmm. Because he's not gonna, he's not gonna take control to 2021. Um, I mean, it's gonna take a long time. Nets fans don't want to hear that, though. Bob. Of course they don't. Nobody wants not. to hear that. No. But it's gonna take a long time. Now, Marx has said, and I and and Atkinson has said that the fan base has been great because they've been so patient, and that's true. But. You know, they're 29th in attendance. Yep, and they need people to start showing up, and they need at least a player that can get people in the buildings that they, they want to see. That's yeah. I think I think that's a little bit of the problem. Well, when Vince Carter came in after they had dumped, mm-hmm. uh, 
it led to a increase of 5,500 season ticket holders because Vince Carter was at the height of his his powers. He was spectacular. He came in. People thought that he was that he was done because of what had happened, and suddenly he explodes. I mean, that's how you sell tickets. Is there anybody on the team no. now like no. that? No. no, no, not even close. D'Angelo no. has that talent, but he's not clearly no, not there nobody. yet. And he hasn't stayed healthy in his three NBA seasons. Right. Yeah. In the league. I, mean, I can say, as, as bad as my Knicks are, if Perzingis is healthy, people want to come and see him play. Yeah. They don't. The Nets. Need, the Nets need to find that Look, kind of player. D'Lo has. D'Lo has the potential to do that. He does. He yeah. has the potential to do that. He has that court vision. He has that. He has that swagger. I mean, and part that was part of you know that was part of you know Vince Carter. Vince had a swagger. And you know, and, and and Jason had a swagger in a very different way. Yes. And Kenyon Martin had real swagger. Um, <laughs> you didn't want to mess with Kenyon Martin. And right. people and and people gravitated towards that. Do I think that at the end of the day, you know, it's going to work? I think so. But the other thing is, you can make a mistake, hmm. and it gets set back. I mean, and you know, and the mistake may have nothing to do. With, with you know your thinking, somebody gets hurt, you know somebody somebody you know has has a problem has other problems and right you know and, and they they can't make it work and you know and whatever, but everybody has faith and God love them for, you know for having faith in 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 Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson, and you know and now the in now the patience of of. Uh, of ownership, and it is very patient, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work. On the other hand, which you can see, you can look at what Sam Hinkie said, and I was not a big fan of his, but what he said is, and when you build something like this, it's not necessarily incremental. You can do one thing, and it suddenly vaults. It vaults the the organization into mm -hmm. into a whole different you know orbit, or the reverse. Yep. Mm. Yeah. And you still don't. You're still not there. What Prokhorov and Josai, the new minority owner, want is they want to be patient so that at the end of the process, dare I use that it's phrase? <laughs> they are right. They are. They have a organization that will be a perennial contender perennial championship contender right. that's their plan that's and you know but is it three years is it five years is it seven years i've heard all those numbers well we know Don't it's know. not now because they're buying out the white Howard. well we know that's, yeah it is an that's somebody who well, for better or worse will probably help you win some games yep but like but like bob said but they're gonna get the future the cap the future is long. We're not. We're not to expect anything big to happen over the next few weeks in free agency. We aren't. Are we? Ooh. I am. You are. I think they're going to do something big. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to work. But what's big though? Like, see, this is where the lines kind of get blurred because I'm. But I, I mean, I'm not saying Bob knows. The I think they're going it's to just do something. Like last year, Damari Carroll and Alan Crabb. I don't know if those. Big could just be. Big, big could just be having the catchphrase. That came out of nowhere. That came out of nowhere. It could. We'll yeah. see. Dwight Howard came out of so expect, you, you, you like. expect You expect them to be, uh, we're not saying it's active in free agency, but they could do something. I expect that on July 6th, we're going to have a very big day. Oh, oh, I can't wait. I mean, no. look, do I know? <laughs> no. I, I just see certain, you know, you start to, you understand the history. You've been doing it for a long time. 
you hear what they say, you and they're not saying directly. Right. Yeah, and you say to yourself, you know, they've they've got something going here. All right. Well, you know what? I'm going to leave it on that note. Yeah. That I just want to sit up. There could you be. No, I just want day. some interest. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, that end it, end that, it. that clip is going to be be teased with you saying that. We're going to use fine. that. That's fine. No problem. <laughs> Bob, thank you for coming on. We want to thank you so much for coming. Always my a pleasure. pleasure. Always a pleasure to talk to you. That is Bob Woodrum. He is the editor for Nets Daily. I'm going to send you something. Investigative for reporter for <laughs> for NBC. Uh, that's it for episode 34 of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. We'll be back next time. Thanks for listening. Watching us. Peace.